Hi, and welcome to the Wise Healthy Bites podcast. I'm Beth. And I'm Catherine. With a combined 28 years of experience as registered dietitians, we're here to share real-life nutrition tricks and lifestyle tips that we hope will inspire you to make healthful choices in the aisles of the supermarket and in life. This is episode number 23, Intuitive Eating Crash Course Part 1. And on today's episode, we'll share strategies to ditch the diet mentality and find more joy in eating. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We are always happy to have you listening. Um, So in our last episode, we really laid out all the research on why diets don't work for the long term. And that kind of set us up for what we want to talk about in the next two episodes, which is something called intuitive eating. Now, The intuitive eating approach really came about back in 1995 by two dietitians, and they wanted to create an approach to tuning into your body more and not focusing on dieting. And even though the intuitive eating has kind of been around for 25 years, I have to admit that I was not super familiar with it until recently. Um, And then I started you know, I, I started with a webinar and um, Beth, you know that I'm not a reader and I've been mm-hmm. like blowing through books on intuitive eating. Like it is shocking. I totally Amazing. fell in love with this approach. Yeah. That's great. And honestly too, I mean, I had always, I mean, not always, but I've heard of it recently, but I mean, really right now as well is when I've become a little bit more familiar with the actual like um, action of intuitive eating and right. how to put it forth in your um, lifestyle, which is what we're going to dive into today. And I just think, man, kudos to those two dietitians that really came up with this very innovative concept. And I mean, now there are a lot of dietitians across the country that really do practice with this approach and agree. I feel like we've also, as dietitians with Wise Markets, had a similar philosophy. Um, so it's really good to see that reinforced through yes. uh, through this as well. Um, so kind of digging in a little bit more into the actual definition. So intuitive eating is a philosophy of eating that makes you the expert of your body and your hunger cues. Uh, So it's kind of like the opposite of a traditional diet, which is very stringent and very much like do this, don't do that, Um, you know, good foods, bad foods, and so forth. Um, So really there are no rules or guidelines about what to eat, when to eat, and what to avoid, which gosh, right there, I mean, some of you listening might be like, wait, hold on, let me listen a little bit more. (laughs) Um, Instead, it really teaches you that you are the best person and really the only person to to make those choices for yourself. So you're not being so influenced by other outside factors. And the basic idea is that you should eat when you're hungry and eat what you want and what your body needs and then stop when you're satisfied. And, you know, we'll kind of go into different types of hunger as well and, and how you might identify that within yourself. Um, but again, it's really just kind of listening to yourself at the core and then doing what you feel is best for yourself. Right. And you know what? Eating should be an intuitive process, but honestly, for many of us, it isn't. So if you think about it, I mean, we're all born natural intuitive eaters. Babies eat when they're hungry and they stop when they're full. But as we grow older, you know, all these rules and restrictions start coming in. We, we hear them from different places. It could be family, friends, the media, magazines. Um, we hear about all these rules and restrictions that are set around food. And then we kind of lose our intuitive intuitive eating abilities. No, that's true. And it just, even when you think of, you know, as you were saying that, I was just thinking of like when you're sitting at a table with someone, maybe you're ordering from a restaurant menu, like there you're all kind of influencing you know, the others per, you know, kind of order potentially, Oh, if someone orders a salad, you know, I may not get what I would get because I don't want to feel like more 
you know, unhealthier than that person. So you're, you're right right there that there are influencing factors all around us. Um, so some of the benefits of intuitive eating, and this is based off of over 100 studies. So I think, you know, um, listeners that we are very science-based, um, you know, so these are some really concrete types of, of things that come as a result of intuitive eating. So in general, more variety of foods are eaten and one would en enjoy um, the eating process more, which don't we all want to do that? There's increased body appreciation, self-esteem, optimism, and overall well-being. Well, I'm sold with that one. <laughs> and decreased, <laughs> decreased disordered eating um, behaviors and tendencies, decreased triglycerides, and then thin idealization. So this is really a perception that, uh, you know, specifically a woman that's slim with little body fat um, is kind of the ideal frame and body type that one might have when that may not be realistic at all um, for you individually or just in general. It's a kind of a more um, helpful approach to what an appropriate body image would be. Right. Um, I think in the last episode, I even said something to the effect of like, we're not all supposed to look the same. Exactly. You know, it's okay that we all look different. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, what intuitive eating can do. So just quickly, what intuitive eating is not? Because some people, you know, think they might kind of have the gist of it. But so one, it is not, the goal is not weight loss. That is, that is, has nothing to do with intuitive eating. It's more about listening to your body. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there, you know, first and foremost, this is not trying to lose weight. So, and one of the important parts about intuitive eating, which we'll get into a little bit more is to give yourself unconditional permission to eat by taking the judgment out of food. But it also doesn't mean to eat you know, whatever you want, whenever you want, how much you want, which is like complete reckless abandon. Cause honestly, if you do that, you're probably not going to feel very well. Mm -hmm. Um, but what you are going to do is take that judgment out of food while still kind of honoring your health and how you feel. So there are 10 principles of intuitive eating, and we're going to cover the first five in this episode. So Beth, what is the first one that we're going to talk about? Yeah. And this really kind of just aligns right back to, um, you know, what you just said. So it's really, you know, number one would be rejecting the diet mentality. So this is kind of the whole premise of, you know, episode 22, um, you know, that we, uh, we just kind of launched a couple weeks ago. So quick summary here. Um, the biggest predictor of long-term weight gain is intentional weight loss. So let me say that again. The biggest predictor of long-term weight gain is intentional weight loss, meaning that you will probably end up working against yourself if your intention is to lose weight. You know, in general, there's a greater chance you will gain weight as a result of that. Um, and this is all, you know, kind of based on dieting and diet principles and that restrictive kind of approach to, you know, to kind of taking care of yourself. And in fact, less than 5% of dieters keep the weight off long-term. Yeah. I mean, those are, it's a really staggering statistic. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, you know, all of the magazines or commercials or, you know, ads or whatever, you know, telling the, you that you're going to lose weight. Well, okay. Maybe you will initially, but where are you going to be at long-term? You know, they're not telling you or helping you five years down the road. Um, and it's probably not realistic to still be on that program five years down the road. If you're, you know, if it's the rules are so strict to follow. So, and honestly, you know, despite knowing all of this, people are always still trying to lose weight. And in fact, at any given time in America, about 50% of people are trying to lose weight. 
Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, even when you think of that right now, I mean, we're still kind of living through COVID and we see things all over the place promoting weight loss that may be helpful to, to kind of, um, you know, tackle any weight gain that may has, have been uh, occurring as a result of this. And, you know, it just, it's just kind of a very interesting stat for sure. Um, you know, so why dieting is not successful. I mean, there's a few different reasons. And the, the biggest one is really that when you look at typical diets and different programs, the rules that are there to follow are just not sustainable for most people. So we think of, you know, things that promote, you know, a 30 day crash course or a 30 day, you know, X number of pounds lost uh, promise. You know, those are the things that in general, in that 30 days, you will probably have to make such drastic behavior changes and eat so differently from your normal eating routine that it's not something you can do past that uh, 30 day window. Um, so they're just generally not sustainable for most people in the real world. Um, they also don't really promote listening to your body uh, and really kind of tuning into those hunger cues, satisfaction cues, and the rules around eating, you know, around the diet are just so restrictive. And in addition, uh, when attempting to lose weight, there are just very unrealistic expectations. And again, I think so much of that is due to maybe influencers that are talking about this or celebrities that are endorsing things or different, you know, marketing messages that are out there, um, you know, so that they're setting you up almost for failure from the start, because if you don't accomplish that, because you think you should, you know, there you just, you might feel like a failure. You may be demotivated and you may ultimately end up with potentially worse eating habits and behaviors than before. And um, that's just a really kind of an unfortunate, you know, mentality to have, right? You want to be more optimistic yeah. and more positive and think better about your body and all it can do for you versus feeling like a failure. Right. So that's exactly right. So whenever, you know, the, you don't get the results that you are expecting to get or, you know, whatever, you feel like you personally are the failure. And that is so not the case. And here is, I think, part of the reason why, like in reality, we may have very little ability to influence our weight throughout our lives. So according to Harvard, our genetics influence our weight um, into the amount to which it does so really varies from person to person. So research suggests that for some people, our genes account for maybe 25% of our predisposition to being overweight, which we could probably do a whole other episode on like BMI and overweight and all of, you know, whatever. Let's not worry about that BMI so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's just part of Throw it out the window. Throw it out the window. <laughs> like that was, that was the term they used in the research. So I just wanted to like put that there. So anyways, well, others, the genetic influence is as high as 70 to 80%. So your genetics are playing a big role in how your body works, how the weight is distributed, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and this also might be a reason why, you know, some plans, eating plans or diets, let's say if somebody goes on it, it works really well for one person and it doesn't work so well for somebody else. Well, that's because Literally, everybody's body works differently based on the genes that you have. So, you know, maybe instead of putting all of your energy into always trying to lose weight, why don't we put our energy into just loving our body the, the way that it is right now? Mm -hmm. um, and this can be very hard for people to do. You know, you, you want to, you know, bikini, wear your bikini or whatever. Well, guess what? You can wear a bikini right now. Um, and you may never get to your ideal weight. And, you know, I kind of just don't want to be every single day of my life, you know, trying to think that I have to lose weight. 
Um, cause what if you never get there? So make peace with the food that you're eating and love your body and you'll be calmer and happier and less stressed in the long run. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, I've seen just, you know, kind of leading into the summer season, you know, and I think a lot of it was put out there by dietitians again, within the space of intuitive eating, you know, just putting out silly videos of how to get ready for bikini season for short season for summer. It's like, you know, buy summer appropriate clothes, put them on. You're ready for summer season. You know, yeah. Buy the bikini, put it on. You've got it. You know, put the shorts on, go outside. Like you're ready to go. It doesn't have to be achieving a specific size and, or a certain look or whatever. And when you think of it, it's like, Oh, this, that was such an aha moment. I loved, you know, I thought they were very yeah. effective uh, messages, you know, for those that follow those people on social media. But um, I know I do absolutely love when they do that. And to be honest, people are out there probably worried about themselves. They're not worried about what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. So many of these, I think are, are, you know, always so worried about others and you know, how we may look or, or how we're, we may be perceived, but you know, people have their own stuff anyway, right? You know, they're worried about their own whatever that's going on in life. So I think that's such a great point. Like take yourself out of it. It's not all about you. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and something else too, when you really think of this, you know, and we noted the sustainability factor and, you know, the challenge to following some of these different approaches in the long run. The other thing is, you know, who wants to be going on and off diets for the rest of their lives so that if every Sunday night you're thinking on Monday today or Monday tomorrow, I'm going to start this diet. I'm going to lose five pounds this week and whatever, you know, to think of ending your weekend and starting your week on that note every single week just sounds discouraging and it just doesn't sound like fun. Um, you know, so the goal really is to, for one, find an eating pattern that works for you where you feel your best and have the energy to get you throughout the day and to thrive. So if you're restricting to the point that you feel terrible and you're cranky and, um, you know, sleeping well and your energy level isn't great. I mean, those are very good reasons why you're doing the wrong thing for your body and you need to revisit some of those habits and get on the right track. And again, choosing a, a kind of an approach that's sustainable for the rest of your life. What will work with your um, lifestyle choices? What will work with your job, with the amount of activity you have, with a family, if you have a family at home, you know, with being able to go out and enjoy meals and socialize with your friends. If a certain approach takes all of those, you know, levels of enjoyment out of your life, you know, what's the point? You know, they're just not sustainable types of things that, that you want to endure. Um, so really enjoying the life that you're living and enjoying being in the best health you can be. And remembering this can be difficult. I know I am not the most patient person myself, but remembering <laughs> patience and consistency are key and enjoying the process of reaching better health each day. You know, and I think like Catherine said too, it's really maybe keeping a mental note or maybe even documenting it, um, you know, different things that you've noted of your body in a specific day that you had energy to do X, Y, Z, or you, you know, you had kind of, um, just a great day because of your mood. And ultimately that may have connected back to a great meal that you ate with a friend or family member, or, you know, or something like that. And looking at those types of things versus again, the number on a scale or a size or, or something like that. Yeah, it's very common for people to focus on their negatives instead of their positives. So right. it's be really glass important. half full, glass half That's full. Right. <laughs> it's really important that we keep those positives really in the front of mind. So mm -hmm. another component of rejecting the diet mentality is to maybe you might have to modify your social media. Um, so unfollow people or groups that kind of encourage diet behaviors and find ones that promote positive messaging around food and health. Um, and then maybe even books and magazines that promote diets or easy or quick, you know, weight loss. I feel like when I'm in the store, you're always at the, you know, lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Like 
it's like all these things on the front of magazines mm -hmm. that get you to buy the magazine. So we don't need, we just don't need those. Now, let's say you're part of the 50% of Americans who aren't trying to lose weight and you're happy with your weight right now. Awesome. And, you know, these principles can still be helpful. So we don't want to just kind of, you know, put this out there that this is only for people who are always trying to lose mm -hmm. weight. No. Yeah. I mean, I think the point of intuitive eating too, you know, like we kind of said in the beginning, is just to get more joy out of the food that you are eating. So it's just, this is really helpful for everyone, um, not just people who are trying to lose weight. So right. Beth, what is... Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say too, I mean, you, you even noted in the beginning, you know, this isn't about weight loss. It is really right. just about like, you know, kind of self-care, self-love and some of those different things. So I think that's a great point. So if you're listening and thinking this may not be applicable, but it really is applicable to anyone having a better and more healthful relationship with food and getting more joy out of food and everything around it, you know, anyone can benefit from that. So I think that was a great point. And, um, there where I cut you off, you were going to just say, so okay. all I was going to say was, I was like, what's our next principle? Um, you know, in this one too, I always refer back to, you know, that first episode of this podcast where we went to our five to thrive philosophy, which really does kind of connect back to this number two pillar here of honoring your hunger. Um, so you do experience different types of hunger, you know, throughout the day. One might be physical hunger where your stomach is hungry and maybe your stomach is growling and you're churning. You just kind of have that physical feeling of hunger um, or emotional hunger, which could be eating for many reasons other than just physical hunger. Uh, emotional eating is definitely one of those reasons that can kind of trigger that hungry feeling. It could be related to happiness, sadness, loneliness, stress. I mean, gosh, there are just countless reasons that would be behind this. And usually in these instances, the foods you go to would be those that you find comforting. Yeah. And I think those are probably the two most popular or known mm -hmm. types of hunger, but we're actually going to talk about three more. And these were really interesting for me to learn about. So um, the next one is actually taste hunger. So you're not particularly hungry at the moment, but you have a, a craving for like a particular taste. Or sometimes you're like, oh, I want to eat something crunchy or I need something mm -hmm. salty. Or, you know, you see a plate of cookies that are freshly baked and you think to yourself, wow, that, that would probably taste really good right now. Um, so you want to eat something simply for the taste of it. Um, another type is energy seeking hunger. So this would be, you know, maybe you're feeling that 3 p.m. afternoon slump at work and you're like, I want a little pick me up. Um, or a lot of times we um, eat because we're tired and we're trying to stay awake. Um, and usually this is because we got too little sleep the night before. Um, and, and so you're kind of just seeking something to give you a boost of energy. Yeah, no, that's great. And honestly, some of these were unfamiliar to me as well. So I love like really digging into all the different like, you know, sources of hunger and getting behind the scenes there a little bit. And, um, you know, so then another one would be experience sharing hunger. So this would be, you know, like going out for ice cream with your friends, getting popcorn or candy when you go to the movies. Um, you know, it's kind of all about the overall experience of sharing that specific food with part of the overall activity you might be doing and then having friends and family be a part of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so like sometimes, you know, so we're, there, there's these different types of hunger sensations that we feel and maybe they've been broken because we've been trying to diet since again, the diet tells us when we're supposed to eat instead of your body telling you when you're supposed to eat. So, you know, with this intuitive eating approach, you know, identify the types of hunger that you're feeling and honor them. 
by, you know, eating, eating when you're not hungry is not a crime. Um, and so, you know, just, <laughs> it's not, like, I love it. It's not a crime folks. It's just, it's it just not <laughs> right. So learning to kind of honor these reasons for your hungry, um, is just a way for you to kind of build trust within your body. Um, and some days you might want a donut and some days you might want a yogurt, um, you know, depending on the type of hunger that you're feeling. Um, and so that leads us into our next principle. Yeah, no, that's the perfect segue right there. Uh, and then so number three here would be making a peace with food. And this one, I know Catherine and I really do kind of love talking about. Uh, so it's really where we let go of food rules. So examples might be, you know, I'm not allowed to eat donuts. I'm not, you know, eating after 7 p.m., you know, saying, that you have a specific time of the day that you need to cut yourself off, uh, that you can't eat carbs, you know, or kind of any number of those rules that you apply to food and then restrict yourself around. So giving yourself unconditional permission to eat all foods, um, you know, because when we restrict certain foods, it can definitely lead to intense feelings of deprivation and then eating lots of that food later on uh, because tomorrow you're going back to not eating that food again. Um, so again, you may actually become more like almost obsessed with the idea of eating a certain food. If you're saying I can't eat pizza, I mean, I feel like if I would say that to myself, I'd probably be thinking about pizza all the live long day and yep. I would probably eat it, you know, however much I want and I may not feel well after it. <laughs> right, exactly. And so when you give yourself the freedom to eat the foods that you once told yourself you were not allowed to have, um, those foods lose their power. They now become neutral. They aren't good. They aren't bad. Um, you can eat it and you're not going to feel guilty. You can have just a little bit because you'll feel satisfied. And then if you want some more later, you can have some more later or you can have some tomorrow if you want. Like mm -hmm. there's no, cause like you said, it's, you know, you eat a lot of it. You're like, well, tomorrow I'm not going to eat it anymore. Mm -hmm. You were not putting those rules around there. Right. Right. And that kind of almost is like the on off diet switch again, like well, yeah. tomorrow, even if it's not a Monday, you know, Mondays are typically, of course, when people do, you know, start that process, you know, but any day of the week, you know, and, and how that can just really, yeah. Really and that totally leads into the next principle. It does, which challenges the food police, which I think it's funny. We just said, you know, eating when you're not hungry, isn't a crime. And now we're <laughs> challenging the food police. <laughs> The food police are kind of those thoughts in your head that declare foods as good or bad. Um, those, those rules are housed deep within your brain and pop up on a daily basis to kind of govern your food decisions. So this might be, you know, these might be thoughts that you've had forever based on how you were raised or based on people that have influenced you, you know, over time. And um, you really kind of want to challenge those thoughts and, and kind of clear them out of your head. Um, so then when you do eat, you know, you're kind of quoting to yourself, um, you know, this might be a bad food or this may be a good food and you might have some guilt because you've just eaten a quote bad food um, that you weren't really allowing yourself to eat. So this really shouldn't be the case and isn't a productive way to live your life and, and take care of yourself. Right. So there are no good or bad foods. So by our definition, the only bad foods <laughs> are foods that are rotten or spoiled and will make you sick. Those are what the bad foods are. I love um, that. <laughs> have permission to eat all foods. Now, little disclaimer, if you have a food allergy or if you have celiac disease, which means you can't eat gluten, of course, there are certain things that you should not eat because your body will negatively react to those. We're talking about you know, general in absence of those conditions, giving yourself permission to exactly. eat those. 
Exactly. Um, and then number five, so we're already to number five. Um, so sometimes, or I'm sorry, number five would actually be to feel your fullness. So sometimes you might struggle with feeling fullness. So if you feel full, you know, is that a bad thing? You know, did you just overeat? Um, you know, so thinking about how that you know, when, maybe when you're young and you've eaten everything that's on your plate because that's how you were raised, um, you know, thinking that you should still do that. And, you know, it, it's just part of like what your normal uh, routine would be. Right. I was totally, I totally grew up that you finished, you finished everything on your plate and we sat at the table until we finished everything on our plate. Like that's how I grew up. And so that's kind of how I've, you know, gone into my adulthood. And just until again, recently, when I started learning about this intuitive eating, I'm like, wow, I actually don't have to finish everything on my plate. Again, not a crime to not finish everything on your plate. Right, exactly. You know, package it up and save it for later, you know, yes. or something like that. Um, you know, you can definitely get around that and, you know, still feel, you know, kind of uh, pleasantly full and walk away, you know, feeling really, really good. Right. Um, so our new belief here is that you don't have to eat everything just because it's on your plate. And really food is more enjoyable when you kind of eat to that comfortable feeling of fullness instead of, you know, ending a meal and feeling completely stuffed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like sometimes when you do get to the point of feeling that, you know, feeling of overstuffed, uncomfortable, I mean, to me, that might be when you have restricted and maybe you've mm -hmm. eliminated something specific and then you finally do again, get to eat it. And that's when you overdo it. And then it's really just, again, counterproductive because you did eat so much of something specific or because you hadn't eaten and you were so hungry, you know, right. that then you don't feel very comfortable right. and you know, maybe you just want to take a big old nap until you have digested and, and a little it's bit. Like, it's a vicious cycle because then tomorrow morning you'll say, I'm not eating that food. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, tomorrow night you'll end up eating more of it because you weren't allowed to. So yeah, it is, it can be a vicious cycle. And that's why when you allow all foods, it does take their power away. It's neutral. It's just food. It takes their power away. I feel like that's like right there. That's a very, that's like a very bold and powerful statement. You know, yeah. like if you really think of like what control food might have over you and how it, you know, powers you in different ways, um, and the power yeah. over and you, say, you know, really I'm a dietitian, but th these are not things that I'm immune to. Mm -mm. You know, I think whoever you are, you were all kind of bombarded with the diet mentality. We all have our struggles with this stuff. And like there was, I can't remember what we were saying previously. It was just about like eating something. And, you know, people do, they look at us as the dietitians and we should only be eating vegetables. Oh, I remember what it was. This was a couple years ago. We went out to eat. I can't remember why. Maybe somebody was leaving work. So we went out to lunch. Every, there was like 12 people at the table. I feel like, you know what I'm going to say? Everybody ordered a salad and you and I ordered like burgers. <laughs> the <laughs> dietitians. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's what we want to eat right now. Like we, that's what we're going to enjoy at this moment. I don't want to mm -hmm. eat a salad, this little dinky salad for lunch. I want something substantial. <laughs> exactly. Well, even, you know, similar example, you know, I think you've probably been in this situation too, where, you know, we are in, you know, a, a store doing our grocery shopping and you might see someone, you know, who's then like talking. To oh you my God, I knew you were going to say that. They're also <laughs> looking over your shoulder to see, you know, what is in your cart, you know, and maybe they're like, Hey, wow. You know, look at what Beth has in her cart this week or whatever. And, uh, you know, so I think it just shows that how, you know, for one, the perception of dietitians, you know, and, and what they may kind of typically eat, which I feel like 
it's totally, you know, not correct. You know, the, right. the perception about a dietitian is, is generally very wrong in a lot of ways, especially with those types of eating behavior things. Yes. I have had people look in my cart on multiple occasions. And sometimes the last time this happened, I had lettuce in there because I just had got to the produce department. So that's all that was in there. And they were like, <laughs> oh, of course the dietitian has lettuce. <laughs> but, uh, and then, you know, other times there's like a big old thing of donuts in there because that's what I wanted. So. Right, exactly. Well, we know in, in, you know, some of our stores, the ice cream's all the way at the end. So, you know, have they maybe seen you there, you know, come right. out in the corner. Ice cream would have all been All about balance. Uh, those, the, yeah, definitely some great stories there. But that's that's the reality. But I think that's Probably a good, really good, you know, yeah, reinforcing, reinforcing point that anyone you know, no one is immune to some of these influences, you know, by other, uh, by other people and so forth. And, um, and yeah, no, that's just kind of a great point right there. Yeah. <laughs> so Beth, what are we going to cover on our next episode? Yeah. So we're really going to dig into more of this intuitive eating process and the application. And so a few of the topics will include discovering the satisfactory factor, which I just love that like phrase right there. Um, <laughs> Coping with your emotions uh, with kindness, respecting your body, joyful movement, and honoring your health. Yes, I love that. Okay. I feel like we could probably go on and on forever about this stuff because we really just love talking about it. And, you know, we truly want people to enjoy food mm -hmm. and enjoy eating. You're, you know, you're eating multiple times a day and we want that to be a really good experience instead of something that, um, you know, is just not so pleasant for you because you're trying to diet. So, all right, Beth, what is our takeaway tip for the week? So I actually, I, I kind of have two here. So the one would be, you know, now we've gone through those five pillars and if you have to re-listen and maybe go back and, you know, identify one of them, you know, I would encourage you to do that, choosing one of them just to really start to apply, you know, in your daily life, you know, so we did cover all five. Some of them may be easier to implement. Some might be a little bit more difficult. So see where you're at, choose one and just start to put some of those different concepts into practice. And the second one would be, I think just really, you know, if you are active on social media and you find that you are following some of these folks that may, um, you know, to be promoting, you know, kind of an unhealthful approach in relationship with food, maybe just unfollow them or, you know, dislike their page or unlike their page on Facebook or whatever it is. But, you know, just looking for more of those that are positive uh, and uplifting folks on social media that would better kind of align with your new philosophy on food and help to reinforce that versus, you know, kind of the other and the, the more negative messaging. Yeah, I love that. I actually really did. I did that a couple months ago. I just changed who I was following. And sometimes I just stay off social media for a couple of days, you know, just to kind of stay away. We don't yeah. need to be having those influences in our brain all the time. If it, especially if it's negative and not helping you achieve your goals. So, right. If it's not lifting you up and something like social media is so easy just to then remove the, like the negative, you know, you can't do that necessarily in, in other scenarios, right. Where you can just remove people from your life. Yeah. You can do that on social media pretty easily and without them generally knowing. So, you know, that would definitely be one of those things to do between, you know, maybe now and next week. Oh, I love it. <laughs> all right. Thanks everyone for tuning in, you can get in touch with us by joining the Wise Dietitians Facebook group. Sim simply search for Wise Healthy Bites on Facebook, or you can email us at wisedietitians at wisemarkets.com. 
The information shared in this podcast is intended for education only and is not intended to be a substitute for a medical diagnosis or treatment. The Wise Markets Healthy Bites podcast is owned and distributed by Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation. Any rebroadcast or other use of this podcast without the express written consent of Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation is strictly prohibited. Please click subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.